Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah just like looking around like what <laughs> right they didn't know what was it. yeah just like looking around like a <laughs> in shock Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Are we having fun? Hell yeah. I'm Steph. And I'm Kayla. And we're two best friends coping with life the only way we know how. One adventure and a cocktail at a time. Welcome back to Are We Having Fun? This is the week Stephanie goes to the Azores. So finally, those episodes um, have come true. And She's putting her travel points to use and she's going to be hanging out in the sunshine. So I'm carrying on. Before we get started, make sure you go to IMDb and rate us 10 stars. But also, um, all of our episodes are uploaded to our website, awhfmedia.com. If you're just browsing around, you don't even have to like go to Spotify. Of course, you're probably listening from there right now. But I think that's really cool if you're like sitting on the computer, just kind of like getting work done, you can always play our episode from our website as well. This week, we have another acting guest and it's been a while. Jenna is a New York based theater actor, singer, empath and comedian. She earned her bachelor's degree in musical theater from Fairleigh Dickinson University, where she also majored in multimedia journalism and graduated magna cum laude in 2016. Jenna has appeared in four national tours and many regional productions across the country, including a limited off-Broadway engagement of Friends the Musical Parody. She has finally returned to New York after nine months of -of out-of-town work and is currently directing all of her energy into finding the perfect two-bedroom apartment with her partner and being the best maid of honor possible. In her spare time, Jenna likes to foster cats and kittens, practice yoga, and spend hours looking through the skincare aisle at Marshall's. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Jenna Cormie. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much for being here. So I've been, I wouldn't say that we even like got a lot of time to spend together, but I've been like following your 
journey on social media this whole time. I just always, yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's like kind of how everyone kept in touch anyway, the last couple of years. Totally. I've been just so um, like intrigued by one, the projects that you've been able to like be part of, but also I just, I don't know if you ever like see Jenna acting, it, I, it's something that I never got out of my mind, which we'll talk about. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, and I love hyping up the guests, but no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so basically, um, when I lived in New York, I was at a point in my life where I couldn't really like get so deep into characters yet because there were a lot of internal blocks. Um, yeah. this was, this was like, I don't know what three years ago now, three or four years ago. It, it, I mean, it's been a while, but you know, I had to do a lot of personal work, but I always admired like this one time we're training in this basement. I'm mixing up all of the locations. We're in one of the studios and you had done, I don't know, a classic. Was it Streetcar? It was Streetcar, I think. Maybe. No, um, it no. was a uh, cat on the Hudson roof. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. <gasps> I was like, I was like classic. Oh, classic. I, I will, I'll never forget you performing that scene though. At the end, you were like asking Shay, like, how do I allow myself to get out of that? Cause you were like, so you were so into the character. And I was like, that is what I want. <laughs> like not, not maybe not like to be stuck, but like, that is like how deep I want to be involved with my characters. I thought that was just so magical. You've really done some cool stuff, not just friends, but the office. And I want to get into this journey that you've had. Yeah, definitely. I grew up in New Jersey, so I was never that far away from New York, um, luckily. So I was just endlessly inspired by it. Uh, My mom took me to see Wicked when I was like 13 years old. This is very like quintessential musical theater kid story. But like, (laughs) I cried like the whole time. Like I just was so inspired. And you, like, do you remember when you saw your first Broadway show and you're like, yeah. oh my God. It was wicked as well. And I was bawling at intermission. I, I totally, totally cried in the bathroom. Yeah. People must have been like, what is wrong with this kid? You know, I was completely captivated the whole time and just was like overcome with emotion. And, um, and it, like, I actually saw wicked recently again, um, after now in such a different part of my life over like double my lifetime later. Right. I see the show again. And by that point have already auditioned for the role of Linda. So it's like, it's really cool to like, um, to now again, see the, like the magic from like the professional side of it too. Um, but yeah, so I mean, quintessential story when saw wicked fell in love, sobbed the whole way, you know, back to Penn station, New Jersey transit ride home. And I was just so inspired. And my mom was really, really supportive of that. And she got me into vocal lessons. And, um, but I was really like, I, I definitely wanted to be able to sing it. Cause I was just like floored by these women, women who just like the sound that would come out of their face, like was astounding. And I was like, how do I do that? I want to learn how to do that, which is an entirely different like, right. set of like training, just training your voice to exist in a space that you didn't even know, like when you are born with it, you don't know how to use it that way. Um, so after like some training and then, uh, I, I started performing in like high school shows and stuff like that. And then, um, some teachers and stuff started to say, like, are you going to try and pursue this? You know, are you going to try and get into some programs? You know, how can we help you? And I was like, oh man, like I hadn't thought of doing that. So 
I did have some help that way. And then of course, um, my vocal coach supporting me and helping me like pick out the right audition songs. Um, and so I auditioned for a few school, a handful of schools, not that many. Um, I knew I wanted a bachelor's degree program because I also wanted to, I was like an academically strong student. So I wanted to like continue to do that. Um, and, you know, just like, had I known that there was going to be like a pandemic that was going to like decimate this industry, um, which disproportionately has just affected our industry. Um, <laughs> I think that I would have been like, Ooh, maybe I should do something else, but you know, uh, we're already here. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, so, um, I got into, uh, that program and they gave me some money, uh, you know, financial aid for like, uh, my academics and, um, and so I started training and I had this like very, very intense. And I feel like everybody has an intense acting teacher in their life at some point. I had a very intense college acting teacher who was just jumping, like standing on chairs and yelling and coaching yeah. on the side. <laughs> and um, so it was a, it was a Meisner based program. Um, mm-hmm. So for those of you that are um, listening, who don't understand it, um, it's just kind of like a discipline of like acting and training. Um, so, but it's very, um, repetitive you're starting with like basic human emotions and repeating uh simple phrases back and forth to each other is like how the first lessons of my technique start um start with saying things like i feel i feel this i i see this um i feel i feel i feel um and so a lot of it is starting from organic emotions and again like to touch back on what you were saying about all that like self-work that needs to happen Mm -hmm. Um, I remember my acting teacher, like sitting me down in one of our like, you know, meetings throughout the semester of just kind of like going through and like, you know, for a normal class, they're sitting down, they're like, you got this grade on this paper, blah, blah, blah. And like, but for an actor, it's like, hey, you're working on this stuff, which is, you know, like can be a little like triggering and intense, um, especially like if you felt any emotion like similar to the emotion that a character is feeling on the page. And then you're actually going through these things and saying the words or like having somebody yell at you or, you know, so it's like, it's an intense thing. And realistically, you're standing there as a human and you're just like realizing, you know, I have these safe rehearsed circumstances that I'm in, but like the emotions are real. This is tapping into like territory that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my acting teacher sat me down and she was like, you, um, you're going to play vulnerable characters it's very clear, excuse me, that you have like a background, um, is apparent in your work that like, there are some things that are intense to you and it's going, you're going to have to like work at like, like making those things safe for you, but also sitting with them and allowing for them to inform your work. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and also just like sorting it out. And of course, like making decisions that are like healthy for yourself and like getting enough rest and trying not to involve yourself in relationships that are like horrific so that you can actually do the work when it comes and you're not so emotionally exhausted by the narcissist you're dating in college or whatever the situation right. is. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So she was like, she was super, you know, like helpful, realistic with that. You know, like sometimes I'd be like, oh my gosh, this woman is nuts. She's standing on a chair and yelling at me and I'm trying. Um, but anyway, so I, I was really fortunate to have gotten a lot of main stage time. It was a relatively small program there. Um, I got to play a lot of really cool roles that I probably wouldn't get to play in real life. Um, which pushed me outside of my boundaries and taught me to sing like kind of all over my range, which was, has been really um, helpful, like for a lot of the shows, the kinds of shows that I was going to do. And I, when I was going out into the world, I had no idea 
what exactly I wanted to do. I just wanted to do this and get paid to do it. Uh, you know, just to be able to pay my bills. I didn't want to like be famous and make a ton of money. I just wanted to do the work and be able to make enough money somewhere to keep doing the work. Luckily, our um, senior class had a, a senior showcase with Actors Connection here in New York City. Um, and luckily from donations that they had received uh, throughout, like I think our senior year, um, they were able to pay for all of our fees to go to that showcase, which is great. So it didn't like fall on you know, financial hardship for anybody, like not being able to make it. Um, and so everybody was able to go and we auditioned for a panel of agents and, uh, lucky for me, Craig Holtzberg of Avalon Artist Group was sitting behind the table and, um, I did a horrible scene. Like my scene was terrible. It was not, I was not well cast. Um, it was like for characters in their thirties, I was like 22. Um, and my scene partner was this ex-boyfriend that was just had this tumultuous on again, off again. Just like, I just wish I could take myself in college and like throttle her and be like, what is the matter with you? You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. But like at the same time informed, you know, a lot of other complicated emotions that I would need to discover later, like in my work. So, you right. know, you'd go through the experiences to then like access it later. But at the time I was like, girl, get it together. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, so the scene was terrible and every, you know, it was senior weekend, everybody had partied and was exhausted. And, um, I'm pretty sure he wasn't feeling well too. So like he wasn't, he wasn't feeling totally confident in singing. And, uh, and so I, uh, picked a song that actually another girl in my class had sung in like one of our classes. Um, and it's called unusual way from nine, the musical. I don't know if you're familiar with that song or I, with that show. I am, but probably no, no one listening here. I don't think they're, I don't know how into Broadway everybody is, but yes, great show. <laughs> well, anyway, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful show. Um, and there's actually a movie of it and also it, you know, beautiful, beautiful music. And, um, one of the songs that I sang or the song that I sang was unusual way from nine. And my agent loves that song. Um, and even though like, it wasn't like the perfect song for me, it's usually played by an older, obviously older character. Mm -hmm. um, but I just wanted to sing a song that I love to sing um, and uh, and just show them like what I could do that could show a journey um, yeah. a character with like complicated emotions, you know, and tried to like factor in like my scene partner in the room, like, how am I going to feel about this person? <laughs> and like, yeah. Um, so I was like, Okay, great. Uh, so I did that. And um, <laughs> Craig, like, pretty much said everything that I had felt. He was just like, that scene was garbage. It was garbage. Um, it, I don't know why you, you were assigned it or whatever it happened. Just, no. Um, and then we just started talking. <laughs> um, and he started talking to me directly. And I was like, oh my God. Um, and uh, he started like spitting out like show names. Um, like he, yeah. I, I think that he liked the, my look and he was like spitting out like things like Game of Thrones and uh, Boardwalk Empire and like Marvelous Maisel. And, just like, like your type. Um, well, like... actually that was before Mar Marvelous Miss Maisel, but yeah, I mean like just, you know, like kind of like period piece characters um, uh, in addition yeah. to like stage work, but like on TV. And I was just like, I haven't even like dipped my toe into like the film water. At that right, point. right. So I was just like, whatever you say, sir, um, <laughs> I would love uh, to do whatever you see. So he saw something, thank God.
And uh, we set up a meeting. He like didn't have any availability for like two months. And then I went in and had a meeting. He gave me a little space for other offers that I never got. And, um, and then he was like in that following October, October of 2016, I, I had done like a Shakespeare apprenticeship that summer. Um, and then when I got done with that, I went down and visited my mom in Tampa and was hanging out there working as a scare actor at Bush Gardens. Oh, of and, course. And uh, he was like, right, right. So obviously, obviously. And then I played an elf for the Christmas holiday. So it was a great time. And, uh, and so he was like, uh, we'd love for you to join the family. Um, and I was like, okay, when do you need me in New York? And he was like, as soon as you can. So I moved to New York with nothing, with no money, nothing. Um, oh my God. Into like a par- an apartment in Brooklyn, uh, January of 2017, the like January after I had graduated from college. And I just started auditioning and I signed with him um, a one and a half year, like temporary, you know, uh, contract while he got to know like my work ethic and see if I would get any callbacks or get anything. And um, and then now we've, uh, been together since then. That's um, so, so great. I'm just so fortunate. And he's gotten me in the room of like some really, really unbelievable projects. And, uh, I'm so, so grateful that he saw something because he made my dreams come true that day. People might not know about Avalon, but Avalon is one of the top, um, agencies in the industry. And so like a lot of people that you watch on TV are, are in that agency. Yeah. I think of and on um, Broadway as well. They have so many clients. Yeah. And, and I'm sure they have so many different divisions, like, of course, like commercials and voiceovers and things like that. Um, they're everywhere. Like the talent is everywhere. You, you did your, like you did your work, you did your training and you put yourself out there. You knew that you wanted to do something better during your audition for all these agents, but at the same time, it's not like you had to have everything perfect. You know, it's like a lot of people get that in their heads. They want everything to be planned and perfect. And like, whenever you're listening to people's interviews, it's always like 20 years down the road, or it's always um, so far in that, that people get in their minds like this is, they literally always had it. They just always had it. It's like a good reminder that like you you just keep doing the work and like, you don't have to have it perfect. Yeah, totally. And like to just be humble and I think open-minded, a lot of people, I think in the, in this industry in particular, especially like the live performance industry, they have such a specific way that they need to be seen. And for a lot of people, um, it works out for them and like all of, all of that stuff you know, culminates and they, and they get cast that way. And that's like how it works out. And then for some people, um, some people are just like really afraid of, um, being ugly or being unlikable or being, um, you know, like, and even like the amount of times that I've, I've been in like man drag, like in like for the sake of comedy, um, like so many times I've (laughs) played men and paid. I have, de- <laughs> I have definitely <laughs> said, it's funny that you say that. Cause I definitely said last year sometime, I don't know, I was working this job and I was like, God, I would just so love to do drag. I feel like I would thrive. Like, I mean, I'm tiny, so you could tell I'm like the, you know, they always have the shows right. where they're like, guess which one is actually the female. And it's like, 
I mean, the one that doesn't need padding. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I wish I could just like dress up. Okay. Like how fun, but, but you're so right. It's like, um, even somebody somewhere along my training was like, don't be afraid to play down the social ladder. Basically. Yeah. People, people get caught up in like, oh, I got to have my hair perfect or, you know, something dumb. Definitely. Like, and, and even in just like a, like a Joan Crawford kind of way, like how she, she needed to look on camera. She needed to have false eyelashes. And even, I don't know if you've ever seen the cult film, uh, whatever happened to baby Jane. Um, Mm -hmm. but if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. It's unreal. Joan Crawford's character is like emaciated and like dies at the end. And she was like, (laughs) she was like, where are my false eyelashes? Like I need to look a certain way on camera. And like for her, you know, like she worked, but then Betty Davis like came out and she just looked ridiculous. Yeah. As, um, as baby J like, she was just like, uh, like her eye makeup was like really intense. Her hair was like frizzy. And she just like, there are moments in that film where she's walking around the kitchen and just like walking around in her slippers and just like, so like, just this unlikable character, like yeah. just, um, and, and like an unflattering, unlikable way, especially like when the, when it was filmed, like that women didn't oh God, present themselves yes. in this way. And she just, she really broke the mold, um, and paved the way for actors like Meryl Streep and, yeah. Um, like, you know, to like really change like Barbara- what women do on camera and on stage for sure. I love that. I think of like, um, like Hocus Pocus. Yeah. I mean, look at today, you know, they're finally making the second movie and everybody is just like head over heels for it. And, yeah. you know, probably when it first came out, it was like, oh, scary or like, ew, like, why would right. I want to play those people? But now it's like, I would be legend. They're iconic. They're Icons, iconic. yes. Right. And so like, there is like something to be said about like, um, especially in comedy is how much like we forget like a lot of the times that like we're entertainers and it's like, you don't have to like it to entertain. Um, yeah. Actually, one of uh, my now very close friends and one of the guys that I just did this last contract with, I, I just got off of um, Laughing Matters, uh, mm-hmm. volume six, Paranoia on Parade at Florida Studio Theater. Um, and uh, I met this wonderful man uh, named Rich, Richie McCall. Um, and uh, he is, I think, about to turn either 65 or 66. And the man is still kicking ass, um, as Andre de Shields would say. Just he's part of like the welderly, like the elderly or elder like performers that are just like still kicking ass and taking mm-hmm. names. Um, he uh, made his Broadway debut in Showboat um, and toured all over like the country and also toured like abroad. He was on a tour uh, with uh, Jennifer Lopez before she was famous, like when she was like young, young, just starting to like get into the live performing Mm -hmm. um and he went to amda and all that you know fun stuff like all way back in the day um so anyway but he he taught me a lot about what it means to be um like a uh like an entertainer versus like a performer um and and he was like what sometimes when it comes to comedy especially like in a time now where we're dealing with a lot of unrest and anger and frustration and political Mm -hmm. like turmoil and um 
it's, it's just a difficult time for anybody to feel settled. And I think a lot of the times, even when we're supposed to be laughing, we're on guard, um, thinking about what we can be laughing about. And, and I think it's like super important to be mindful of all of those things, um, Mm -hmm. at all times, there's no reason for parody or comedy to be cruel or at somebody's expense. And I think it's really important to, to make sure that people are taken care of, especially our marginalized communities. Um, that's what this, the like performing arts community has become, um, has also become a place where like the Island of Misfit Toys over here, just like of all the people who yeah. have like needed to be loved and have found love in this yeah. for it money. It kind of like, always no has been. Yeah. Like it, it, it has it's, been. Yeah. It's always has been. And it's like, we're the ones to tell the stories. We're the ones to like use our voices and you could use it for good. You could use it for bad, you know, like, Exactly. Yeah. It definitely is, is a beautiful thing though. Yeah. And, and when you're a live performer, you are in the public eye, there's photos of you, like your likeness is being used. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I like, I find it like a huge relief sometimes, especially when I'm talking about something that is kind of like uncomfortable to undergo like a, like a transformation. I think that it's like really so much easier for me to do things like when I'm wearing a wig and when I'm like covered in makeup and like, I don't yes. care what I look like. I, I hope that I look like whatever the audience needs me to look like. Um, but uh, to just unapologetically entertain um, and to not be myself. Uh, and then there have been times where like being myself has helped. Uh, and there are like little glimpses into me, but like nobody wants to just see me on stage. They want to <laughs> yeah. see they want to be entertained. They want to be taken care of. And so, um, my friend Richie, um, who is a person of color, um, has been in this industry for a long time. And, uh, you know, I think even as a woman, you can, I'm sure that you've been in sticky situations in this industry. Just like, I think that sometimes people feel like they can take advantage or, um, show you less respect in this industry because of how much people want it. Yeah. Um, Or, or, or they tell you what you should want, or they tell you what you should or shouldn't do because you're a woman. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I've had my own fair share of things. Pay, you should accept what things you're allowed to talk about, what is and isn't funny coming from you. Right. Um, and it's hard and it's hard to keep your mouth shut. And a lot of the times it's just easier to keep your mouth shut. And I hate that. And, and he said to me, well, he was, um, he was speaking to, you know, obviously race, um, in mm-hmm. the industry and, you know, like, uh, how that's affected him and how many times, um, he's been put in a position where he's, uh, had to play something that's like offensive because of his mm-hmm. like type. Yeah. Um, and so there was, um, he has this one man show the character that he's usually compared to is, um, step and fetch it. Step and fetch it was, um, like one of like the earliest black actors, um, in film and TV. Um, and he was like an American vaudevillian comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, he's known for playing, um, idiotic characters or like stupid characters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the actual actors, uh, that were playing them. So there were like actually twins that were supposed to, they were brothers in a, like an act. 
And then the other brother didn't want to do it anymore. So like the one guy who's like, I'm stepping, fetch it, but it was supposed to be stepping and fetch it the two mm. different people. And so he ended up stepping up doing it. That's how he got that name. And that's the name that he took into the industry. But anyway, so um, he has been, been playing uh, as a lot of people would refer to it as like the coon character um, in a lot of like old film. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Richie, who had been compared to this uh, character, this actor for a really long time, he, he was get like, frustrated about it and and you know he was like it's racist it's uncomfortable I like feel like an idiot I feel like I'm being made fun of Mm -hmm. and um he in his one-man show he actually turns into the actor that that you know was step and fetch it Mm -hmm. um and he's talking to himself he's lecturing himself and he's just like I'm not I don't play anything that I don't want to play. I entertain people. That's my job. I'm not this idiot. I'm not what they think I am. I'm not as I am cast. It was such a a beautiful example of that. And like, you know, as like a white girl sitting there, I'm like, geez, you know, like talk about like having a hard time over here. Um, (laughs) I'm just like, you know, um, I was like, you have brought me so much perspective with this. And I, I was watching his show and I just was like in complete awe. And I just watched a recording of it. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to see him do it again. Um, but it, it was just like a, a really unique perspective on the issue. And it's really easy to like get caught up in like, you know, we can't play these kinds of characters. They're offensive. We can't say these yeah. kinds of lines. And it's just like, where do you draw the line between entertainment and, um, you know, like a topic that's like off limits. Right. Um, right. And obviously we don't, you know, we, we, uh, are now seeing representation of like all kinds, um, in film and TV and commercials finally, um, in, in redeemable ways in likable characters. So yeah, that was a, that definitely like touched me and it will never leave me. It's like some of these, I mean, maybe some of these shows and some of these stories are being offensive, but sometimes even like, you know, you don't want to just say I'm never playing such and such because like I just I hate that kind of character whatever it's wrong but it could be a beautiful piece of work that's making a point about like making a point that you know okay maybe we shouldn't paint people in a certain light you know yeah it sheds light on the subject Um, yeah it's informative um and so yeah there are places for that in but there's also like an appreciation for what we did before we were um aware of yeah. these things before we were societally aware of these things and um and they need to be talked about and they need to be people need to be aware of them and we need to be reworking and rewriting and we need to have people from different communities in the room to be informing that work so it's not just a white man right writing a show where there is a coon character whose the jokes are always at their expense. Right. Exactly. Um, and so like it's in the work in like the work long before the actors even get in the room too. Yeah. Um, so we definitely have a lot of ways to go, but we've also progressed immensely. Talk about some of these shows you've gotten to do because um, so cool that like it, it you, you get to do theater like full time and People think of what they've seen on TV, but it's cool to like be able to go see it live and, and like, no matter where you are in the country, you know, people, you can see those stories. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's been really cool. I've, I've gotten to do, um, lots of different kinds of shows. Uh, so I've done four national tours. The first national tour I, I booked and, uh, one of the first like real jobs that I booked that was like a full-time job, um, was a children's theater show, uh, called Dragon's Love tacos um it was a theater works show if anybody on here is familiar with theater works um they are an equity touring company uh for children's theater um i think their format has kind of changed a little bit since covid i think they're now kind of sourcing locally um and staging full productions um in like major cities um but i'm i can't really completely speak to that but at the time uh we were touring based out of new york city so we would rehearse in new york city and then we would go on tour um we would tour in like a little like a, in a like a dodge like ram like van uh and the set would be in the back and like uh our set was a little bit smaller so we got to fit our luggage back there and then we had a prius and so uh there were five cast members three women two men and one stage manager and we just were on the road for like five-ish months I think yeah so we like about uh mid-January we left and then we got back early June we had some layoffs in between um so those shows were like at like eight o'clock nine o'clock in the morning so it was a different a different <laughs> lifestyle entirely I had to load in and out I had to like actually bring the set in like out of the truck and like put it up and then get into costume and makeup and do the show and then break it down and put it back and then drive for like four or five hours um to the next location so it was exhausting but I was young and spry and ready bright-eyed wow. and bushy-tailed love that um, and fortunately you know protected by a union um luckily it was a union job when I got back uh to the city from that project um I auditioned for Friends the musical parody um the national the first North American tour of that so there had been a previous production uh running off Broadway and then another small production opened up in Vegas and has been running there since um and then the writers reworked it you know for the time they've adjusted some of the material blah 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 um and they were hiring a, a cast to go on the road um so I went in for that audition. My initial audition was for Phoebe. Um, and I went in the, you know, into the callbacks. Um, and I thought I got like, I thought I got eliminated. Um, we had to like go in and sing first in the callbacks. And there were like so many girls there, like so many people. I was like, oh my God, there were like so many people like up for these roles. Um, really, really humbled uh, to have been cast at all. Uh, and, and I thought that I got eliminated. I was like, well, that's it for me. I'm going home. And then they called me and they were like, where did you go? And I was like, oh no. <laughs> so I like came back and I was like, that was a PB thing to do. Huh? Uh, so anyway, but then like, you know, I met, I met the girl. Um, so at, at the end of the callbacks, so I like came back to the callbacks and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Came back like, read um and everything and it was down to me and this other girl who like flat out looked like Lisa Kudra like beautiful like oh yeah luscious <laughs> golden hair like and just talented like so unbelievably talented um and uh and so she booked she actually ended up booking Phoebe and they offered me the uh female swing track um which was like so exciting exciting and most of the time I got to play Gunther um so I got to like be dressed as a man and and so oh that God. actually like it was like um a reckoning you know to like yeah be in this and of course like if you remember Gunther from Friends like 
like this kind of like dumpy character. I was, ju- um, I was gonna say iconic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like also like iconic, like hilarious. Like started as, as an extra and then became a series regular and one of the most beloved sitcom characters of all time. Um, so there, you know, initially when I stepped into the role, I just felt very uncomfortable and. I grew to love him so much and uh, the impression became really specific. And I think that also, you know, at first I was so like, I was like ashamed, like, you know, people like kind of seeing me this way. And then just like the laughter was not like at my expense. The laughter was like shock of like, that's a woman. Right. Like, right. like they would just like totally, they wouldn't expect Gunther at all. And then it would be like Lady Gunther comes out and they were like, oh my God, hilarious. So it was, uh, it was fun. And I got to like kind of sit in the wings and study what everybody else got to do. I got to swing all three tracks, which was like so incredibly fun trying to like nail down these impressions. Um, and uh, eventually uh, when the role was reoffered to me later, because I ended up, uh, we ended up reprising the tour and with a starting with an off Broadway run um, after COVID, um, and that, at that point, our Phoebe initial, like our original Phoebe, was expecting her first child, so she wasn't able to like come on with the production. And at that point, um, they offered me the role of Phoebe, so I got to play it wow. myself, which was really like full circle moment. Yeah, because um, you're just but, you're just there having a good time. You're not yeah. like you're not there to be Phoebe you know like you're like I'm happy to book wherever you see me in this and like that's all you needed exactly and I just I felt that like had I been cast as Phoebe initially I wouldn't have brought to her what I got to bring to her the second time um being able like to swing a show was such a cool thing because my my skill set I'm not a dancer by any means so um I can move, uh, but I have like no like formal dance training. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like choreographers like try to make me look good, but I'm, you know, like I'm a mover. Um, so as as a swing, usually that's a a huge part of the job is being able to like dance and like fill into any track that you can. Luckily the show is like more of a step touch, uh, actor singer show. So the, the, choreography was doable for me yeah um, so I didn't feel like completely uh you know overwhelmed by that um and so learning to swing a show it was like the most difficult thing that I've ever learned to do and it was unbelievably rewarding so terrifying forced me to like tackle my anxiety head on yeah and, uh, and you know also just to be like a super prepared um professional I love that you're um, like just jumping into it, even if you didn't feel like you were exactly qualified or exactly like ready, but you're just like, I'm going to give it my all because that's something we talk about a lot, especially like people around our age, um, you know, like after college, they're going into work settings and like, they don't always feel like they deserve what, not, not deserve what they have. It's easy to like get stuck in like what you know but you're just like, throw me in. And like, that's the only way to go. It's just like, whatever is next. Like, I'm just like, yeah, universe. Like, I mean, like, as a person, (laughs) I am like, as a person, I am like, oh my God, I need to know what's happening every (laughs) second of every day. But like, as far as my career goes, like as far as this industry goes, (laughs) 
I have <laughs> never expected to be where I am in the next place. And I'm always just like, how did this happen? You just say, and then I yes. meet all these people. And then <laughs> yeah. that, that somebody like thinks of me and like, or refers me for, you know, like whatever this person's worked with me before. And so it just, it's that kind of industry um, of just like, so, I mean, it's all that much more important to, to be uh, like professional and respectful and um, like, agreeable you know like flexible but you yeah. know like not too much like right right, you right, like right. set your boundaries but yes. also be you know easy Open to work to with at the same time yeah yeah yes. and willing to try like willing to fall on your face like I've fallen on my face like so many times um <laughs> and like there there was even like moments in this show this most recent show that I did like we we had 149 performances in the same space and there were just like days where we would just be like and the words just wouldn't come out. <laughs> like every single one of us had. Like it's just a marshmallow. Like, and I don't you know. just are like, and all right, moving on. And I was going to say, did you ever, I love when like a show, they just like flat out, just break the fourth wall. And they're just like, you know what? We're not doing this today. Like, <laughs> just like flat out, just tell, hey, like, just sorry. This is my 149th time. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. This was during my first national tour of Friends, um, where I was the female swing. It was the night before I was supposed to go on for Rachel um, for my like official swing in. Um, and official, like, they'll do official swing ons, like, at least performance of each track. So that way you're prepared to go on uh, if, when there is an illness or injury or absence for some kind of reason. Um, so I was supposed to go on and we were performing in that same venue, um, but we had another show the night before. So I got to go on as Gunther and like be in the space and whatever. And this, the track like skipped, like we had like a tracked thing uh -huh. um, where it, you just like, couldn't like, there was no way to like pause it or like start it exactly <laughs> at the moment that we needed to. And it skipped and it like, just didn't come on. And I was put like everything that I was supposed to be doing was supposed to be synced with the track and it just didn't come on. So I was just like, it was like blue man group moment, but I was like <laughs> in man drag, like as Gunther. And I was like, <laughs> and then, um, and then I was like, welcome to central perk. I'm Gunther. Yeah, just like looking around, like and they like they were all like nervously laughing, you know, like they didn't, right, they know, didn't know what was, what was happening. Like, yeah, and the, I was just like, <sighs> just like um, looking around, like in shock. And then I'm looking off stage at people, and people are like, I don't know what to do, and like nobody's waving me off. No announcement has been made. Like nothing. Like apparently something shorted, and I was out there for what felt like forever, and um, and then people started coming on for the that it came to that part where yeah. the people started entering and stuff and then the, the track started to come on and it was in the wrong place we didn't know what was going on and I was like standing I was standing behind the coffee cart and I was like wiping it with a rag and then I was just slowly like dipping down underneath it so I just didn't have to be there anymore yeah I was just yeah, hiding yeah. on stage behind us that piece just being like oh my god oh my god and then finally finally the stage manager came over the intercom and was like actors um please leave the stage actors reset please re leave the stage and then we like restarted and yeah. so it was like humiliating because the audience knew like what was right. supposed to happen then oh my god it was like it was awful and they were so they were so supportive they like they really were we had a great show after that but yeah. we were all like hello it was very intense uh, there was like so many like 
especially when you do a show for that long, because we toured uh, that time. Um, like we obviously had like some layoffs in between, but we started touring in October of 2018 and we didn't finish until May of 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we picked back up again in July and went through to like mid August. Um, so it was a long engagement. And then again, uh, this time we were, we did the project for five months. So, you know, tacked all together. It's just like a project that I've been doing like so many hundreds of performances. Yeah. Uh, so it gets to a point where you're, you just see things happen. That's just the beauty of life theater. And it, you might be lucky enough to be there in the audience someday when something yeah. goes wrong. I, I know. Like, what, when are we going to stop talking about COVID? But like, I know that you were kind of doing your um, tour up to that point and you just so happened to um, like book some stuff in Florida as well. Up until, so I did Friends and then I took like a month break and then I moved into the apartment that I'm in now. Um and I'm like just now moving in with my partner. So it's like a big like life, you know, change here, mm-hmm. you know, like saying goodbye to this like part of my life. Um, but anyway, uh, so I moved into this apartment and then I got Little Black Dress, the musical, which I was on tour with, which is a comedic uh, girls night out musical. Um, I got to play this really cool track that had just like a bunch of different characters in it. And the main character in it was the main character's mother. Um, and all of the actors in the show were older than I was. I was the baby. So I had to like really age this person up. And I was like, <laughs> she just, she became like a mix of like Linda. She was like Linda Belcher and me. And then like, just like, I was like, oh yeah. I just like, I have to let me see my phone screen yeah (laughs) you know like I just was like trying to like age her and you know so that was that was just a wild time and uh, I was really great to jump into especially after doing like a swing track of something um so that tour ended right before the pandemic um the the week that the world shut down at least here in New York I had like 13 appointments that week for auditions and then everything stopped um I was in final callbacks for the national tour of heroin diaries um which is a like uh, with all um, Motley Crue music based around the addiction story of uh, Nikki Six. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was a really like such a cool show. And then also like um, there was a lot of state funding because it was like an addiction resource. So it paid really well. And yeah. also that it was like kind of like a mental health, like outreach kind of um, entertainment thing. Uh, so it was, it was just like such a cool project. And, uh, and now I, I like radio silence ever since like COVID really, really hit a lot of productions mm-hmm. and things that were like in the works and completely like decimated any future or at least very uh, like severely delayed that. Yeah. So after COVID, um, just had like, you know, like all sorts of life stuff like happening. And then um, the writers of Friends wrote like a COVID friendly, like, uh, walking tour like an outdoor walking tour so it was like based on uh the office so it was like the office a murder mystery parody who is the scrant strangler so it was like a murder mystery um tour led by michael scott and you go to like each of the stations you would go and visit dwight and he would give you some like exposition on what happened and of course like be like super weird and then you would go and see jim and pam and jim and pam would do a reenactment of the of the crime that have the strangulation that happened. And then you would go and visit Phyllis and Meredith um, and solve the murder. So uh, 
it was it was wild i got to play pam um and so it was like it was the office characters in at that point uh current day so like post pandemic um we were like masked um, yeah and like uh, pam is pregnant with her covid baby and you know so like it was it was really funny and like imaginative and so we got to take like these characters these tv characters that have been so adored and um by people all over uh the world and then also kind of imagine them today and how right. they would be acting today and um so that was super fun and of course to kind of like get you know like being like stuck inside with COVID, like not performing for a while. So it was good to like get that out. So that was like a straight play kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, I did two productions of that and then moved back to the city. And at that point, uh, right angle entertainment called me again. And they were like, we're friends is going back out on the road and we're starting with the off Broadway engagement. And they were like, are you ready for Phoebe? And I was like, as ready as I'll ever be yeah um <laughs> I was like yeah okay so um and uh just jumped into that um and then we uh so the off-broadway contract uh went from uh July of 2021 uh to September of 2021 and then we jumped immediately into the tour about like five days later um and uh I toured with the production until December um and I booked laughing matters uh in the middle of that tour um, for Florida studio theater. So I left that production and, uh, so did the guy who was playing Ross on my tour. Um, and we ended up in laughing matters together. Um, so then I spent, uh, the past five months, five and a half months in, uh, Sarasota, Florida, downtown Sarasota, Florida, um, beautiful, like beautiful housing, like beautiful area, like like such an expensive, like People yeah. spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to vacation there. And I was like living there for free. And it was yeah. <laughs> so amazing. And I just performed. We had like a nine show week. So it was a cabaret show. It was like a short show, like an hour and a half run with an intermission. Um, but very, very fast paced, lots of energy. Um, but we had nine show weeks. Uh, so that was a little intense. But uh, it was like such an amazing schedule. Like most of the days, like it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday would be two show days. And then like. Monday through like Thursday, like the whole day was yours up until you had to go and do the show. And then, amazing, like, Sarasota. Oof, like to be spending four days a week just you get just to do chilling. whatever you like, yeah. Going to the beach, I was like like ten minutes away. Like I would go like the few days leading up to the end of the contact, especially like I went to the beach by myself a couple of times. Yeah, just like you know, of course, like I'm like I have to hide under an umbrella but there's like nothing like actually being there and just like these right. white sand beaches like literally 10 minutes away from Lido Beach and like St. Norman Circle and like just all of these like beautiful places to visit that's, that's all we need in life I mean come on <laughs> oh my gosh it was it was a paid vacation it was a paid vacation it was really great but also like the show was a really cool concept because um it's it was like a parody show uh kind of written in like an SNL format so nice. um it's like a sketch comedy musical parody kind of thing so um we were doing uh parodies of like famous Broadway songs so we had like Music Man in there with like a little bit a song time um we did like godspell like we had a whole number about like uh gender fluidity and identity um and sexuality um set to uh all for the best from godspell and it was like the two where the two characters jesus and judas are like singing like 
against each other like oh. really fast so it was just like it was such a cool it was a really cool concept and it was so well written like the song yeah like the lyrics were written by a millennial who like really knew what she was talking about and uh yeah so like the writing was just like so so smart and like so funny and like the the main writer on the show uh was all is also like the spouse of the director um and is also like in a leadership role in the theater as well um but she's just like so powerful and like that a lot of like the female experts excerpts of the show so there were like three men in the show and mm-hmm. just one woman which was me um so all the female stuff was like written by women yeah. men like it was like, actual female voices and it was like really incredible to like be performing work written by like female but you can tell the difference you can um especially like comedy when you're you when you're <laughs> analyzing it yeah. yeah um it's so funny because uh I I totally know what you're saying with that like uh especially I mean yeah I'm in the tv and film obsession world um but like people will ask me have you seen this show have you seen this because it's like they know they know I love like I love comedies um And, and then I'll give my honest opinion. And it's like, I've grown up a lot. So maybe since they first knew me where I would just laugh at anything right now, I'm like truly analyzing them. It's like, Oh, what do you think of how I met your father? And it's like, my response is, well, I see what they're doing. It's, it, it's definitely making jokes, uh, women jokes, like, hitting you in the head with them and then they're like that is not the response I expected from Kayla and I'm like what like what else do I say yeah like yeah what do you want to say I don't I just didn't vibe with it I just didn't vibe I'm like I'll watch it I had a big like monologue at the end um where uh it, the one of the like the things that tied everything together were these news reporters kind of coming out and doing these like headlines that were like absurd they were like punchlines they were really it was good mm-hmm. um and we would like talk about like some political stuff or like COVID or whatever and um and in the last scene um the male reporter like presumably like calls the female reporter uptight and she's like <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I got to do like this whole like speech to the end and um you know like uh, nobody wants to see like a woman yelling even though women yell all the time right that's funny um but you know so it's 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 weird like you don't want to like make anybody uncomfortable but at the same time like bringing some truth to like the anger and the frustration that she's feeling but also playing it funnily and um with some levity to it and kind of like a, like, like a, I don't know, just uh, like a lighter, just a way of like showing it and not getting like too wrapped up in the emotion of it. And um, yeah, uh, it was, it was difficult to like, a lot of the time, sometimes the direction I would hear a voice and like how I would understand it myself and then like receive a direction because it's not like a like a show that's been done before or lines that have mm-hmm. been said before by somebody else that you can kind of like reference a temperature yeah um, at that point you're like at that point you're making decisions yourself and that was what was so cool about this show is that like everything was um being figured out in the room we would see whether things would work or not and like songs would get cut we were constantly making cuts all the way up until opening night like we didn't know yeah. what the show was gonna look like until we opened um 
and it ended up being fantastic. And we talked about like so many things. We talked about COVID, we talked about inflation, we talked about like sexism, we talked about uh, gender identity and sexuality. We talked about um, so, so many things. Yeah. And, like the space billionaires and like all like the crazy crap that's going on right now. Um, and so it was just like, it was really cool to like be able to talk about these things and also to be able to laugh, but to be also working with writing that was just like so well done um, and so witty that there was very little that I had to do. Like the writing was just so funny. And then like, as we, the show kind of settled in and we finally like had a flow of everything, like we just all had like every single joke, like snap, 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 snap. And like, there were guaranteed laughs every single night. And that was just like such a cool thing because once you get into it, um, the rehearsal process is a totally different thing. Like you're trying to figure out and like, um, but once you get on, on stage and you start like playing with each other and playing with timing and audience feedback. And like, at that point you're like living in like showmanship and you like have them in the palm of your hand and you can like work an audience, learn how to work an audience and learn yes. how to um, land Crowd a joke work. and learn how to like, even just like kind of improv your way out of like something going wrong. Um, and so that it was a really cool learning experience in that way. Yeah. Um, and then also just being like the baby girl, like in the situation of just like getting to be the baby cast member and also like the only girl, like it was, it was both like a lesson. Um, in like perseverance and like I think boundaries but also in just like complete admiration and awe of like everything and the professionals working around me that I was just like oh my god and I was just like watch them do something and I was just like that's it that's so thank you for coming on the show to talk about how you know it really is possible and you you just like put yourself out there you you connect with people and you also, you know, work your butt off, you know, you train, you get the materials you need to put yourself in the right positions. Yeah. We absolutely love New York. So what is one, you can only pick one, and I feel so bad when I say this, but you can only pick one favorite place to eat in New York okay. Okay. and one place that you've traveled that you've also found like a favorite um, food and then also what do you do outside of like acting besides laying on the beach for free in Florida um, pick one thing <laughs> for fun as an adult okay so um if I'm gonna make like a restaurant like recommendation um because I do have one that's like up by me in like Washington Heights. Uh, that's like really, really, really good pizza. Um, and like really great environment, but like rarely people here, but like, you'll more likely be downtown if you're visiting New York. Um, and if you can, I would go and get brunch at San Marzano pasta fresca. It's on second Avenue. Mm -hmm. Um, it is a place where they like, like hand make their pasta and everything. And it's all like, you know, amazing Italian food. Um, but also they have like bottomless brunch there and you can, you can get breakfast food if you want, but you can also get pasta and just like bottomless mimosas. So, um, do yourself a favor. I don't think they take reservations for any parties less than six. So either get a bunch of friends to go or like get there early. Yeah. Okay. Next time I visit, that's where I'm going. 
And yeah. then something like Some where the experience was just like, I'm going to go back there. Next time I go to that place, I'm going to go back there. Okay. Okay. So unlikely city that you would think of like cool food. Um, but Des Moines, Iowa, there's okay. not a lot to do in Des Moines, Iowa, but there is a place called Fong's and it is like an Asian fusion place. And they have these like pizzas there. Um, and they like have um, two, like two of them are award-winning uh, pizza. So let me like actually bring it up so I can like speak yeah, to the actual awards that they funny. won and everything. I'm I'm in Minnesota, so I actually have connections in Des Moines now. Like I've worked with people in Des Moines, um, and I oh and God, they, you have to you have to go. Yeah, there. they they here. they're trying to get me to go there next month for like two weeks. Mm. I'm like I I don't know if I want that much. Iowa, but I, I have to been go there. to this restaurant, ask to go to this restaurant. Yes. Um, so, okay. So they have, um, two, two different pizzas that I'm trying to find like the menu here. Like, why are you, oh my God. <laughs> they have pizza. I okay. Love so the, the award-winning as he, it was as seen on TV, um, the, their crab and goon pizza is just like unreal. What? And like, you wouldn't think like these things like sound weird. Like there's like I a honey think garlic that one. sounds so cool though. Oh my God. It, it's amazing. And it's like thin crust pizza um, with like the toppings on it. It's, it's just like such an amazing thing. So they have crab rangoon pizza, egg roll pizza, Fungolian beef pizza, and they have a general South chicken pizza, which uh, was on featured on man versus food. Um, and is one of their like best-selling ones. Uh, they have one with like um, mac and cheese on it. That's vegetarian. Um, so they have like so many like weird pizzas and it's a tiki bar. So you can get tiki drinks out of these cool cups. What? Um, like I have one that's like a panda. Um, yeah. And so like, it's just like the cutest little hole in the wall place. It's such a weird little place to eat, but like, I promise you, you will not be disappointed if you go to Fong's pizza when you're in Iowa. Um, what? they have locations in Cedar Rapids and Des Moines. The only one I've been to is in Des Moines. How the heck does this place exist? It's definitely worth it. It's one of the best things I've ever had in my life. Wow. I see. This is why we put people on the podcast. We we tell we tell everyone this is like an adulting adventure, having fun doing whatever you do as an adult podcast. But this is really a food podcast, guys. Yeah, um, at the end of the day, like this is what we really need to be talking this about. This is yes. <laughs> this is the food recommendations. Good ones. Yes. And then, okay, last but not least, what is something that you love to do for fun that you just like clear your head? Um, like you don't think about work, you just go and you enjoy yourself doing. Oh, geez. Uh, I know it's, it's a, that's the hardest question of the whole podcast like, episode. I don't think that my head is ever like completely clear unless I'm like specifically meditating. <laughs> to clear my head even then um, even then you're like don't think about it don't think about it <laughs> even then even then I feel like the only thing that I can like absolutely immerse myself in is like binge watching something else and being in somebody else's world and in that point too like as an empath like yeah I'm definitely taking on the emotions of the characters that are on the street the screen yeah. and like I'm definitely like feeling emotions that are not mine which is right. sometimes great and sometimes like not great um but yeah so it's either like binge watching something or I also like I have a Nintendo switch <gasps> that sometimes I'll just like me too um out like I play like Stardew Valley and I just like or like Animal Crossing something like that yeah. where I'm just like 
where I'm just doing tasks and yeah. in this little happy place. Parker doesn't understand why I'm obsessed with Animal Crossing. Things. I'm like, I just need to collect my peaches. Okay, leave me alone. I need to collect <laughs> my peaches. I need to like look at this cute, colorful, like well-designed, like the, the design of the Nintendo Switch, like yes. Animal Crossing is, it's gorgeous. It's a yeah. beautifully designed game. Also, I'm going to add you on the Switch because um, we were just, we just figured out we can like play Mario Kart and stuff online, which is cool. Yeah. And then of course, like I play Animal Crossing with my sister sometimes. It's pretty funny when we're like trying to type to each other when we could just call each other, but <laughs> like, I'm going to go through this like weirdly difficult medium, but like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to like be immersed back into the real world. Of yeah. My phone. She's, she's like blasting messages and I'm like, a. B. <laughs> <laughs> that's so real that's so real and she's like why are you so slow and then she calls and she's like why aren't you answering I'm like I'm still typing my message it's like I can't I can't wait any longer I, I can't okay well I've kept you long enough um I'm gonna have quite the editing job on my hand because we try to keep it around an hour no no I really I really enjoyed having you on the show though because it it's just so nice to um first of all catch up second of all just like have really great conversations um just like from things that you've learned and like society things that you've gotten to like expand on through your work and then also you know just like living the dream I mean you're paying your bills yeah you're paying your bills I truly am this is the this is the dream sometimes it doesn't feel like the dream right like when it does feel like the dream it feels like the dream it's like Like, it's like don't feel the burnout that other people feel right the dream uh, it's because like people set themselves up too high and I'm by people, I mean me sometimes, but, <laughs> but like, if you're paying your bills and you're doing what you love, then like, yeah, it's a hell of a lot of work to make that happen. But also like you would not have it any other way. I I mean, I'm speaking for you, but I'm speaking on behalf of myself, like knowing that like, that's what it's all about here. It's like, just, no, truly. It's like, it's so easy to get like swept up in like the crap of just life in general and yeah. like to get beaten down by like things happening because like life is still at the door, like no matter what, like whenever, no like what. whenever, when I leave my phone on the table and like I walk on stage and I like come back and like I'm immersed yeah. back into the, this actual world of mine. Um, sometimes it can be, it can be difficult to leave the imaginary world and re-enter the real world. Cause especially right now, it's just like so yes. intense. And I think that we need this. And people like so many people during laughing matters, I remember walking up to us and grabbing, grabbing our hands and like pulling us close to them and being like, thank you. Yeah. I haven't laughed like that since before, since and 2020, since before this happened. That's such a beautiful experience to be able to like go in person and have that interaction with somebody. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just really, I'm lucky that, you know, life doesn't stop being life there's always going to be like pain there waiting for you because that's just what having intelligence, intelligence and like being a human being is like having emotional intelligence and like being intelligent enough to like understand relationships and yeah how they play out. And like, but I mean, like there is no love without heartbreak. There is no joy without loss. There is no like, you know, 
a happiness without like anger and sadness to balance them out. And that's what makes them so precious is those moments. Mm -hmm. Um, We can't expect happiness to be taking over all the time. But when you get to go to work and you feel better afterward than you did when you walked in, then that's a good that job. Is, that is living the dream. That is living yeah. the dream. And I, I truly am every day. Oh, well, thank you so much. And um, if you are looking for Jenna on social media, which you totally should. Totally. Um, I pretty much just go by my real name uh, on social media. I actually recently uh, deleted Twitter because I I just can't. Um, yeah, I can't keep up. I don't think that I'm, yeah, I can't, I just can't keep up with it. And it's just seems to be like a, a relatively dark place. And like, I don't want Elon Musk like anywhere near my tweet. So, um, uh, yeah, so you can find me and also TikTok. I, you know, like, and people try to tell me on TikTok so many times. Um, and I think that it is a beautiful thing. And I'm so glad that a lot of the videos have seeped into the Instagram reels because I still get to watch as many cat videos as I want. Right. But, oh, that's another thing I do as an adult to like relieve stress is, and not <laughs> anything else is to watch cat videos. That's okay. Like, that's so like, that's my compulsive one. <laughs> follow at they named me pumpkin. Um, so you can find my cat. <laughs> yeah. And, yes, definitely follow pumpkin. Um, what a precious thing baby angel. So anyway, so on Instagram, um, I'm at Jenna Cormie, uh, J-E-N-N-A-C-O-R-M-E-Y. Um, it's just my name. You'll find, uh, sometimes bloopers of me doing, uh, self tapes. Uh, I, I don't post that much, uh, but I do like mm-hmm. to use my stories a lot. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Facebook, you can find me Jenna Cormie. Um, I do have a professional actor page, but if you want to just be my friend, you can also just like friend me on there. Um, and my website is just www.jennacormie.com. Um, and that will have, uh, any like upcoming events, um, headshots, media, uh, videos. If you want to see clips of things that I mentioned? Uh, and you do, you do. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's where you can find me. Yay. So thank you for another episode of our, we having fun. I wish Stephanie was here, um, but she's in a better place, AKA abroad. So truly, so, um, but we miss you and you're having fun and we are having fun. And Jenna, are you having fun? I am having fun. Yay. So, um, again, follow us, um, AWHF media is our official at everywhere. And if you can't find it, that means that it's not, um, that we're not really like active on that platform. Cause I think there's a couple where the names are different, but we don't go on there anyway. And awhfmedia.com. And then also, um, we're going to be taking a break after July and then we'll be back in October. Just so you guys know, we'll still be active on the website though. So thank you again, Jenna. And um, we will catch you all next time. 